Good morning, everybody, and happy Monday. Taking a look around the world, stocks are mixed. Shares fell in China. They rose in Japan. Here in America, it's a little bit mixed. Of course, the Evergrande situation still really matters, as does the possible U.S. default because Congress is doing whatever Congress does. And of course, people are keeping eyes on the economic activity around the world in this Delta period of the COVID era. Now, looking around this morning, there's a couple of meaty issues that I'm chewing on, which will follow up with some startup news. But the goal, as always, to get you up and running and informed in as few words as possible. Talk about including Spotify and Box and app stores and advertising. And of course, some startup news as well. Our goal is to get you up and running in as few words as possible. As I was writing my notes this morning, news dropped from Facebook land. Yes, Instagram announced that it will pause its work on a product called Instagram for Kids, which just by the name alone, you're probably thinking, great, we don't need an Instagram for kids. There's already Instagram. Kids use it. Ah. Anyways, Facebook claims that it is the right product to build, but does say that it's going to, quote, use this time to work with parents and experts and policymakers to demonstrate the value and need for this product. Now, what is that need? Well, Facebook's argument, as far as I can tell, reading the blog post this morning, hinges around the idea that kids are getting phones younger and younger. And what do they do with those phones? Well, they log on to social media applications and services like Instagram, getting around age controls and so forth. So if kids are going to use Instagram anyways, why not make a place for them to use it in perhaps a more safe manner? I have a lot of issues with that argument, including, I don't know, parenting. But you can see why Facebook would want to make the argument because it moves the onus of responsibility to parents as opposed to Facebook itself. My argument against all of this is for kids out there who are under the age of 13, who would like an Instagram account and have a phone, they should uh, not use it and they should read a book. Another story I have my eyes fixed on this morning is Box. Now, Box, if you think back to the early unicorn era, was an example of the high spend, high burn model that many software companies had to kind of employ before the digital acceleration gave them extra tailwind. Now, Box tried to go public originally and it didn't go very well. They went public a little bit later on and then they had some issues post IPO and then their stock went down quite a lot. And then people started to kind of circle it like vultures. One of those groups was Starboard Valley, which bought a bunch of shares and tried to force a lot of changes on the company. Box tried to meet it kind of halfway. Starboard Value didn't like it, wanted to fire its CEO and install other directors. There was a big fight. Aaron Levy, the CEO of Box and one of its co-founders won. And then after all of this, just endless fight, the founder won, stayed in charge. And then this morning, after Box managed to reaccelerate growth, was upgraded by JMP Securities and now shares of Boxer up a couple of points in pre-market trading. We talk a lot about founder control here at TechCrunch and if it's good and if absolute control is fair and if, you know, super voting majority shares should persist post IPO and blah, 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 blah. In this case, here's the example of a founder who just didn't give up and managed to retain control of the company and seems to be doing okay. So here's your feel-good story for the Monday. Everybody, you're welcome. All right, so application stores. Over the weekend, CNBC reported that Google will cut its take rate on its Google Cloud Platform application marketplace from 20% to 3%. That is an absolutely enormous cut. And this is not out in the market yet, but Google did confirm to CNBC that it is making changes. Now, the context here is that recently, Microsoft cut its store take rate over on the Windows platform. And we've also seen Android and iOS, the two major mobile operating systems of the world, come under pressure to cut their own take rates in their own marketplaces. And the broad story here is, you know, Apple versus Epic. And 
you know, how much economic activity can Apple kind of arrogate to itself if it happens on iOS? Apple wants to maintain a 30% cut rate. That seems to be increasingly untenable over the long run. But of course, Apple is a profit-seeking megacorp and therefore to see it rent-seek on its own marketplace is not an enormous surprise. However, does this matter? Yes. Google making a change of this scale does, I think, indicate where take rates are going to go in marketplaces over the long run, which is, to pick the direction out loud, down. They're going to go down. The idea that a, a digital provider should take 30% of economic activity on any marketplace is kind of bonkers, frankly, unless they're doing tons of matching work, which is not really the case when it's just third-party software that you're presenting to users. My question is, what does this mean for startups over the long term? Marketplace startups are an important niche in the broader startup world, not as important as SaaS, perhaps, or other kind of modern software techniques, but they matter. They're out there. And I wonder if these changes to mega store take rates will trickle down in terms of expectations from customers and users, and that'll limit the ability for marketplace startups to drive revenue over the long term. Now, it could be that startups are more niche marketplaces than megacorp platform style marketplaces. So the numbers will be different, but I don't think seeing one chunk of the market cut its take rate won't have some pressure on the rest of the market. So the question is, does this matter for startups? I think the answer is yes. All right, now let's talk about Spotify for a minute. You might be listening to this show literally on Spotify. If that's the case, hi. Spotify, of course, a unicorn previously that went public via a direct listing, works in the music world, comes from Europe. You love it. I love it. Spotify. Now, one thing you may not have heard from Spotify over the last couple of years is advertisements because you probably give Spotify money because Spotify is very cheap and very good, frankly, as far as services go. However, a lot of folks don't pay Spotify until they get served advertising. And one thing Spotify is doing is rolling out a brand campaign for its advertising features, which it is also rebranding from Spotify advertising to Spotify for brands, according to the Wall Street Journal. Now, why does this matter? Well, they make money in two ways, subscriptions, as described, and advertisements. Obviously, it wants the latter to do more revenue. Why? Well, perhaps it's a way for Spotify to drive more higher margin revenue. Keep in mind that Spotify's margins are pretty lackluster because most of its money that it brings in, it gives back to record labels and artists which is fine. It should. Spotify is not in the business of making music. It's in the business of reselling music. And so it's not a shock that its margins aren't amazing. But if it can drive more ad revenue, perhaps it can improve its overall economic picture. Here's the concern. It seems that businesses that depend more and more heavily on advertising over time get worse. An example of this is just, I don't know, run an Amazon product search. Look at the amount of advertising that you're seeing and ask yourself if it's a better search experience than you had on Amazon, I don't know, three years ago. Google, same thing. There seems to be increasing pressure over time from large companies that depend on ad revenues that lead to trade-offs that make for worse products for you and I. I don't love that Spotify is spending more of its time on advertising than, I don't know, charging me more money for my subscription. Charge me three times as much. Please, God, just don't dilute the overall experience. Send me push notifications for bands that pay you and take up more and more of the in-application pixel space on freaking ads. I don't want it. I want to give you more money. Let me do that. Thank you. All right, moving on to startup news this morning. A couple of really fun ones, one of which is Frontify, a company that I had not heard of before this morning, proof of that's just how many startups there are out there in the world, that raised $50 million for a collaborative cloud platform that helps organizations manage and use their design and brand assets. That's a paraphrase of TechCrunch this morning. Essentially, it provides a cloud-based platform for businesses to centralize and distribute all their brand assets to those who work in and with their companies. 
This sounds a little bit like brand folder, which I think Smartsheet bought back in the day, maybe about a year ago. Anyways, Frontify is cool because it raised $50 million and it's Swiss. We don't talk about enough Swiss companies here on the podcast. The $50 million round is more than double what the company raised last January of 2020, which was $22.3 million. The company has also doubled its customers to 5,000 since that point. So this is fun. We love to see companies from non-traditional startup markets doing well. And it also goes to show that, you know, not all mega rounds in the world of startups today are based on hype. 5,000 customers is no small feat. If you go to the Frontify website, you can dig through its pricing information that it will share and non-enterprise plans scale up to $279 per month. So, you know, that times 12 times 5,000, eh, we're kind of presuming eight-figure ARR here. And the company is probably worth, I don't know, what's 20%, 50 million, 250, call it 300, between 200 and 300 million dollars. So 20 to 30 X revenue, maybe somewhere in there, just thinking out loud. Anyways, we dig it. It's very cool. All right, what else is going on? Well, not every EV startup in the world has gone public, it turns out. There are still some that need to go public, one of which is Polestar, a Swedish electric vehicle maker. And TechCrunch reports it's going to go public, we expect, via a SPAC at a roughly $21 billion valuation. Perhaps it's benefiting from recent production milestones over at Rivian. After all the bad news from Lordstown and so forth, some good news from EV companies that are public was welcome. And Swedish electronic motorcycle manufacturer Cake, best name of the morning, has announced that it has closed a $60 million Series B that it will use to help bolster manufacturing in Europe, North America, and Asia, and also to drive retail capabilities. Why Sweden is kicking so much ass in the EV marketplace, not entirely clear, but I think it's absolutely awesome. The more competition there is, the more vehicles there will be that will be faster and better and cheaper and better for the environment and so forth. So I I'm here for it. Sweden, please keep pushing the ball forward. Thank you. Closing out, Tesla rolling out full self-driving to some customers via software updates. And as far as I can tell, it's not full self-driving, which is why everyone's kind of perplexed. Why Tesla is uh, ignoring the complaints, criticisms, and general brouhaha about this, I don't know. But they're just forging ahead, as Tesla always does. So we'll see what happens next. I presume if you're annoyed or not by this, I can kind of just tell that by how much Tesla stock you own. So please don't send me tweets. I don't need to see them. I already know what you're saying. Oof, man. All right. That's what we got. We are getting past Disrupt Week here at TechCrunch, kind of getting back to normal, if you will. Looking ahead a couple of days, Amplitude will direct list tomorrow. So expect a reference price from that software company later today. And Warby Parker, the D2C e-commerce manufacturer of specs, will begin to trade on Wednesday, should price on Tuesday. Keep up with Equity, of course. We tweet under the handle at EquityPod. I tweet under the handle at Alex. We are back Wednesday. We are back Friday. This has been Equity Monday. Thank you for being here. You look amazing today, and I think you are just the bee's knees. All right, bye.